Hey, and welcome to the Scottsdale Podcast. We are currently in a series called, Did God Really Say? Enjoy the message. Hey, we're so excited to see everyone here. My name is Phil Ortigo. For some of you who may not know, I'm the senior pastor here. Chris and I had the opportunity of being away last week in Louisiana. We went there for our niece's wedding, and it was an outside wedding in the summer, in the heat, in the humidity, in the thunderstorms in Louisiana. And we came back home in the summer, in the heat, in the thunderstorms, and all the adjustments that we got to make here. But we love being back on the coast, and it was such a good time for us to be away, but it's always a great time for us to come Come back. Those of you watching us online, we're glad that you're able to join us this morning. Those of you who may be first or second time guests, thank you for joining us today. It is our privilege and our pleasure of having you with us. We're in this new series that we started last week, Did God Really Say? And that question is first found in Scripture by Satan himself. It's in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are being tempted and Satan begins to question the goodness of God, the word of God, the commands of God, and he says to Eve, did God really say? And ever since the fall of humanity, Satan is a clever schemer. And he has been scheming and taking things of God and the scriptures and the heart of God and twisting them and giving us what we would consider half-truths. He's very clever about that. And since that time, all of these statements that he has twisted, he has injected into our culture and into humanity, and people have come to think, wow, those sound really good. We like that. As a matter of fact, most of our culture believes a lot of these phrases are things that God actually did say. Did God really say that? Well, it sounds like something God might say. And we're looking at all the different issues of our culture and the cultural statements, and we want to examine them next to God's Word and discover what He really did say. Now, here's the problem with us. There are a lot of people in our culture who believe these to be guiding principles for their lives, but not only in our culture. Sadly, Christians have held to a lot of these statements as well. In fact, those of you who may be watching online, those of you who are here We are probably all guilty at one time using some of these phrases thinking that they sound really good. You know what we do? We take a little bit here, a little bit there, we make a gospel gumbo. And a gospel gumbo is where we collect all these little sayings from different places of culture. We take a little bit of what Jesus says, take a little bit of what St. Oprah has to say, take a little bit of maybe somebody like Joel Osteen or Tony Robbins, and we mix it all together. And it comes out something that we say, wow, that sounds good. That sounds inspirational. This is a great gospel message. But most of the time, it is the antithesis of the gospel. It finds itself to be the opposite of the gospel. And what do we end up doing? We end up embracing these truths and we bring them into the life of the church and we confuse the culture and we confuse our kids and we confuse the next generation with things that God never did say. Last week, Jeff began the series, did a wonderful job dealing with the question that we ask, God just wants me to be happy. This is a half-truth from Satan. Of course God wants us to be happy. The word happy we've discovered last week means blessed. God wants us to be blessed. And we find that blessings are always hinged on obedience to God. But here's the lie of the enemy. It's a half-truth. God wants you to be happy. But Satan wants to tell us that the way to be happy is contrary to what the Word of God says brings happiness. And Jeff did a wonderful job of bringing a picture of holiness and happiness. They're not exclusively um, different issues. God wants you to be both holy and happy. 
And when we're walking in holiness and happiness, then there comes that wholeness that Jeff talked about. Incredible message last week. If you didn't hear it, I want to encourage you to go online and listen to what Jeff spoke of with God just wants us to be happy. But today we're going to look at another one. And this is probably one of the most toxic statements in our culture today. It has become the mantra of a lot of people in America. It is the mantra by which they make their decisions of life. All of the difficult things that they have to come to grips with, they act on this one statement. And this one statement is permeated through our culture. It's permeated through our celebrities. Our counselors are telling us that this is true. Sadly, even many Christians have used this as a piece of advice. It sounds really good. And what we do is as we look at it, we see that this is one of the greatest toxic pop cultural lies of the Western world. What is it? Here it is. Follow your heart. Doesn't that just sound right? Follow your heart. Oh, girl, you follow your heart. Hey, champ, follow your heart. It sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds inspirational. It sounds like, yeah, I can buy into that. Follow your heart. You see, this is the, the key theme of every Hallmark movie. Every Hallmark movie is follow your heart. By the way, if you've seen one Hallmark movie, you've seen them all. They don't need a channel. They just need one movie because they're all the same. You know the line. You know how the Hallmark movie goes, don't you? There's a girl. She's in this relationship. She's not in a relationship, but she's following her heart. Oh, she's following her heart. She meets this guy, and she's just like, he's the one. He's the one that's going to bring all the joy, but he's resistant. He's not following his heart. He's trying to fight against this. There's something in him that's not right. And the whole line is how they merge together. And at the end of the movie, he begins to follow his heart. It's kind of like the Jerry Maguire movie where Tom Cruise looks at Renee and says, you complete me. And she's over here saying, shut up. You got me with hello. All the women are crying and the men are saying, if I ever do that, somebody please shoot me. That's the theme of every Hallmark movie. And here's the thing that people buy into. When you follow your heart, you're following your true north. When you follow your heart, you're following what's right. When you follow your heart and you have the courage to step out and believe in your heart, then it is going to satisfy you. It is going to provide happiness. It's going to give you the guidance for life. After all, your heart can save you. And people are buying into that. Our culture buys into it. Rihanna, who's a pop vocal singer, was recently interviewed with Vogue magazine. Here's what she says. I always believe that when you follow your heart or your gut... When you really follow the things that feel great to you, you can never lose because settling is the worst feeling in the world. Doesn't that sound good? Who wants to settle? Follow your heart. Follow your gut. I'd follow my gut before my heart. There's more movement there anyway. So, or how about Steve Jobs? Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your inner voice. And most importantly, have courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Follow your heart. But long before Steve Jobs had a job, there was Disney. And what did Disney tell us? Remember Jiminy Cricket? 
When you wish upon a... I can't hardly read that without singing it, but I'm not going to have you sing it. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you, but it goes on. If your heart is in your dreams, no request is too extreme. When you wish upon a star, as dreamers do. Follow your heart. Disney has taught us that. Celebrities are teaching us that. Our culture is saying, follow your heart. In fact, the cultural mandate of today is if you do not follow your heart, you're not true to yourself. And the argument continues. If you suppress your feelings, your passions, your inclinations, then you are not the real you. You be you. You live your life. You fulfill your passions. After all, everything your heart desires will come to you. And here's the problem with that statement. Follow your heart is a great hashtag, but it is the absolute worst advice you could give to any person. To follow your heart might sound good culturally, but it is destructive naturally. Why? Listen, if we followed our heart and every inclination and every passion, we would reduce humanity to nothing but animalistic impulses and instincts. We would be no different than the animal world. And that is why follow your heart is nowhere in Scripture. That is why God never says to us, follow our hearts. In fact, we find the opposite to be true. Because God knows the human heart. Not just a human heart, but every single human heart. And he knows what happens if we follow our heart. Solomon, who is the wisest man, the king of Israel, writes this in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says, guard your heart. With all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Let me tell you what we're told in Scripture. Guard your heart. Keep your heart. Watch over your heart. Examine your heart. Question your heart. Why? Because God understands fully how you and I are wired. With a sinful, fallen nature, you and I can never trust our own hearts. Never. And some of the worst advice we could ever give to anyone is to follow your heart. Parents, listen, listen. Your kids are being inundated with this kind of philosophy in school. Follow your heart. College students are being inundated with this kind of philosophy on the college campuses. Our culture is inundating people's minds to follow their heart. And yet the whole time, God is saying, no, stop, stop. Don't follow your heart. Why? This morning, I want to give you four reasons why we should never follow our heart and three things we need to do to combat that. So you're saying there's seven points this morning. Yes, seven points this morning. But what we want to do is we want to look at a 4D image of the human heart from the pages of Scripture. A 4D image. Now, if you know what a 4D image is, we've had two-dimensional images, 3D images. Now there's the four-dimensional images where they can actually see every single chamber of the heart, all of the major arteries going to and from it, and they know everything that's happening within the heart. Nothing is hidden. And when we look at God's Word, what He says about every human heart, nothing is hidden. And there are four Ds 
that God tells us about the heart. They all flow from one verse. So take your Bibles, open to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Most of you already know this verse. I've used it many times. You have used it. But I want us to see the depths of that verse this morning, while we cannot follow our hearts. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would guide us this morning in the truth of this. And Father, that you would enable us to understand who we are and who you are and what our greatest need is. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your devices, turn to Jeremiah 17, 9. If you've got your scripture, turn to Jeremiah 17, 9. I want you to see this. And I want you to write, circle words, make notes, because this is so important. Because this hashtag of our culture is terribly destructive. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick, who can understand it? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want us to all read that together out loud. You follow me. You ready? One, two, three. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? There are four things that God tells us about every single human heart, without exception. doesn't matter who you are, where you're born, where you've lived, where you come from. These are all true of every human being. I want to give you these four things, and then we're going to move on from there. Number one, our hearts are deceitful. Every human heart is deceitful. Deceitful means that it will lie to you. Your heart, we're not talking about the physical pump that pushes blood through your body. We're talking about that center piece of your being, your emotions, your thoughts, your actions, who you are, even your personality. That's what it refers to as heart. A thousand times it is used in scripture. And almost every single time it's used to explain that aspect of the person. And so our hearts have a tendency of being deceitful. Our hearts will lie to us. The heart is deceitful above all things. You know what happens to the heart? Many times when people are following their heart, they're following their feelings over what? Over facts. It just feels right. And so they follow their feelings. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, my mind is telling me one thing, but my heart is telling me to do this? And so what they're saying is this, I am going to set aside the intellect part of my life, my mind, and I'm not going to follow the reason and the intellect. I'm going to follow what just simply feels good. Oh, it just feels so right. And so I'm going to follow my feeling. And when you follow your feelings over facts, there's nothing that's stable in that statement because your feelings change and your feelings will lie to you. They always do. When we are following our feelings, we could be lied to about our own health. You're driving down South College, 9.30 at night. You pass in front of the Krispy Kreme. And the hot button comes on. And your mind is saying, no, 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 no. It's 9.30. That's a donut. And your heart is saying, oh, it feels so good. Just pull in. You pull in. And your mind's saying, okay, if there's no parking lot spot, we're staying. We're not staying. We're going. And you drive around nine times before you find a spot. You go in. You get a donut. And everybody knows in there, you shouldn't be eating this at 9.30 at night. Now, you see, what happens is your heart will lie to you, even about health. Your heart will lie to you about finances. How many people say, oh, it just feels right for me to buy this new truck? 
It feels right for me to go and spend all this money. This is just what I need. I need it. And you buy it. And three months later, the bank comes and takes your truck. And you wonder, why is God so angry with me taking my truck? Because you're living on a Cadillac budget, on a moped budget. That's why. Well, how about your passions? Your heart will lie to you. Well, you know, I really feel like I should be a girl and not a guy. Follow your heart. You know, I know I'm supposed to stay pure for marriage, but I really feel like this relationship is right. Why do I have to wait to be sexually active? Follow your heart. You know, I, I can cheat on my taxes just right here. Nobody will ever know. And after all, I paid taxes through the years. Follow your heart. And when you follow your heart, what you end up doing is you put the, the reason aside so that you can follow your feelings. My whole life, I grew up hunting, and I grew up hunting in Louisiana, and I hunt here. But before the days of GPS and the days of, of, of um, phones and things like that, we had this little device called a compass. It was really cool. It always pointed north. And one time I'm in this, this woods hunting with my dad. He was at a different place. I parked my, my truck on this pipeline, and I go into the woods. It was cloudy. There was no sun, so it was very hard to get your direction. I'm in the woods, and I don't know where I am, and I'm thinking, okay, it's time to leave. I pull up my compass, and it's pointing north. I need to go east, and I'm saying, it doesn't feel right. I, I think I need to go that way. Well, the compass is saying I need to go to my right. And I'm saying it doesn't feel right. So I closed the compass. I went the direction I felt like I should go. And you know what happened? And then deeper and deeper and deeper in the woods. And it wasn't until I trusted the compass that I got out. That's what your heart will do to you. When you follow your heart and it feels right, it leads you further and further from safety and your desire. So your heart is deceitful. But here's the second thing about our hearts. Our hearts are desperately sick. Desperately sick. The language that he uses, he says, desperately sick. There's, there's one translation that says, incurably sick. Every single human heart, without fail, has been born with a cancer, and that cancer is sin. And you and I are born with the nature of sin, and we born with the choice to sin. We are sinners by nature and by choice. And there is this disease that is destroying our hearts Jesus picks up on this in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, and he gives us a very clear picture of the human heart. Here's what he says. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are just a few things. What Jesus is saying is this. From the overflow of the heart does your mouth speak. When you say something and it shocks you, it wasn't a circumstance that caused you to say that. That circumstance just simply measured what's already in your heart. And it's coming out. And when people say, oh, he made me do that, or she made me do that, or that circumstance made me do that. No, 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 no. Circumstances never cause us to do what we do. Circumstances always measure who we are. And they come out. And Jesus is saying from the heart, some of the most vile things can come out of our lives. You know what that means? Listen, if I trust my heart, and if I trust my passions, then I am living my life according to some of the most heinous thoughts and passions that are deplorable to any society. And when I follow my heart and the intentions of my heart, what is going to come out? 
The man who follows his heart is the one who is cut off in traffic. And he gets so angry, he jumps out of his car. He fires shots into a car and he kills a six-year-old boy in his booster seat. That's following your heart. The woman who says, you know what, I just feel empty at home. And there's this guy at work. He is really making me to feel like a person of worth. And you know what? I'm drawn to him. And I really think that he is to be my soulmate. And she leaves her children and her husband for that man. She's followed her heart. For the people who steal and who are rioting and who break into businesses and steal things that are not their own. They're just following their heart. Our culture doesn't want to call it stealing. It's, it's something more proper. It's looting. Makes it sound like it's part of the protest. But it's theft. And they're following their heart. The politicians who slander one another and tear each other down just to build themselves up are just simply following their heart. Listen, if we followed the inclinations of the heart, we would be the most depraved people and there would be total chaos. Now, every, every human lives this way. Why? Because we know those things are reprehensible. Even lost people know that. And no society can put up with that. So to follow your heart is just simply to follow your passions unrestrained and do what you want. It's desperately sick. But here's the third thing. Our hearts are deficient in understanding. Our hearts are deficient in understanding. He says, who can understand it? What does it mean by that? Our hearts do not have all the information. Our hearts are operating on feelings. They're operating on impulses. They're operating on desires. Most people, when they operate out of their heart, they're never thinking ahead. They never do. Matter of fact, this is what Solomon says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Let me tell you something. Our hearts will make fools of every one of us. Every time. You know what the, the inclinations of the hearts are? They're dead-end streets. They never take you to your destination. And here's the clever thing about Satan. He says, follow your heart, but he never gives you the whole picture. He never says, if you follow your heart, this is where you're going to end up. It's always a dead-end street. There's never the right destination. There's always limited information. And the person who follows his heart is like a person walking in darkness with just a feeling that they're going in the right direction. How many of you have, have GPSs on your phone? Raise your hand. How many of you? Okay, good. Everybody really should raise your hand. You all got them. How many of you operate with GPSs? You need them from time to time. How many times have your GPS led you astray? If you've used the GPS enough, you know. Why? Because the GPS doesn't have all the information. There's some situations where it, it, it is not complete. The streets have not been programmed in, or maybe things have changed, but the GPS doesn't have all the information. You're following this thing, and, and you end up somewhere where you don't want to be. It was a couple of years ago, somebody had asked me from the church if I can go visit with the man in Burgall. And go pray with him. I said, sure, I would do that. That was pre-COVID when we can go to people's homes. And so I get in my car and I'm driving. I'm following it. I'm turned down this road. Man, I am out in a country in Burgall. Now, Burgall is country, but I'm in a country in Burgall. And as I'm going along, next thing I know, I'm on this dirt road. And then the GPS says, you have reached your destination. I'm looking around. I'm the only person there. I said, what is my destination? Is this where my ambush takes place? Is there a shallow grave somewhere nearby? <laughs> Did somebody lure me out here to kill me? 
But what happens is, I, I, I knew that. I knew nobody was going to lure me and Bergall to kill me. They don't need to be in the woods. They'll shoot you dead in a restaurant. So, uh, but, but just kidding with you people from Bergall. But not with Leland. But anyway, <laughs> the reality is this. It never has the full information. Never does. And that's where your heart leads you astray. It's a dangerous thing when you follow your heart because it's always a dead-end street. So, our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are desperately sick. Our hearts are deficient of information. But here's the fourth thing about our hearts. Our hearts are destructive. They're destructive. Solomon says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right. Oh, it feels so right. It feels so good. Certainly, God would not allow me to make such a foolish choice. This has to be the right move. And then you end up discovering that your life is destroyed because of the foolish choices. James, who is the half-brother of Jesus, writes a book in the New Testament called James and is considered the Proverbs of the New Testament. Here's what he says. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, but each person is tempted when he is lured away. And has returned. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it has fully grown, brings forth death. You want to know something I've never, a person I've never met in my life? I've never met a person come to me and say, Phil, man, I'm living the dream. Every single passion of my heart, I follow. Every single inclination that I feel, I immediately respond to. Every single thing that I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it with, has been so satisfying. I live every single whim of my heart, and every single day, the trajectory of my life is going upward. I am so happy. Never met that guy or that woman. Instead, what I hear is, the passions of my heart have destroyed my life. That addiction that I thought was going to satisfy me has destroyed everything for my future. That relationship that I thought was going to satisfy me has broken my heart and led me to a place where I shouldn't be. Those desires that I'm acting out on have hurt people, and now my life is a mess. And I don't know what to do. That job that I lost because of my dishonesty, thinking it would get me ahead, has now put me at the bottom of the chain. You see, what happens is, following your heart never leads to a satisfied place. And so when God says that to us, when He is saying, beware of your hearts, He's not saying that to be mean. He's not saying that to rob us of our joy or our contentment. He's saying that to protect us. 
because our hearts can never be trusted. I wrote this statement down this week. While our hearts may be a good gauge to tell us where we are, they are never a good guide to lead us to godliness. Never. They can never take us to where God wants us to go. And here's why. You need to get this statement. Take a picture of it or whatever. Here's why. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led. Our hearts were never designed to be followed, but to be led. How do we get there? How do we get there? What's the answer? Here's the answer. Listen, every single person needs a heart transplant. Every single one of us is born with a depraved heart. Every one of us is born with a sinful, diseased heart. We do not need our hearts to be reconfigured. We do not need to be our hearts to be refocused. We do not need our hearts to be, as the popular phrase goes today, reimagined. No. Our hearts need to be regenerated because they're dead. Our hearts need to be redeemed. Because they're depraved. Our hearts need to be reconciled because they're doomed. And the answer for every single human being is to have a heart transplant. And that heart transplant only comes by a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the maker of your heart. There's nothing in you, in your thoughts, in your actions, your deeds, your philosophies that he does not know. But he knows all those empty directions are going to lead you to a place of death. So he went to the cross on your behalf. He died for you so that you can have a new heart in him. And the answer for those of us without Christ is to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to tell you the greatest need that you have today in this culture is to have Jesus as your king, to have him as your Lord. And it's just simply to surrender your life to him and say, Lord, I come to you and I recognize my heart is so filthy, it's dirty, it's broken. It needs to be regenerated. I surrender to you. And in that surrender comes life. Now for the believer who has trusted Christ, you have a new heart. You have been given a heart that is now alive for the things of God. But listen to me carefully. Your heart is still not your shepherd. It's not your shepherd. Your heart is a pious sheep that still has the residual effects of a dead man or woman and at times wants to be the wolf. Your heart still cannot lead you. Only Jesus can lead you. And that's why Jesus says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. So listen, what's the answer for all of us today? If you're not a believer here, the answer for you is to surrender that heart, that dead heart. And the Lord Jesus is standing at the throne of heaven waiting for you to surrender. Oh, he's working in your life. He's drawing you to himself. He's praying on your behalf to the Father. And yet, he's calling you to surrender your life. For the believer, it is to recognize you have a new heart. But there are three things we have to do. Let me give you three things we must do. Number one, trust God with all your heart. Trust God with all your heart. It begins right there. Believer, don't listen to your heart. Trust the Father. 
Trust what the son has done for you on the cross. You trust him with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You want to know the direction for your life? You trust in him. It's a beautiful word picture here. He talks about don't lean on your own understanding. Remember our hearts have limited knowledge. Leaning on your own understanding is a picture of a man leaning on a stick that cannot hold him. But when you trust in the Lord, it's a picture of leaning on a mountainous peak that cannot be moved. Believer, you may have some feelings in your life today. You might be thinking, this feels right, this feels right, but does it match with what God's will is for your life. Are you leaning on your own understanding? Lean on him. And when those old times you don't know what to do, lean on him. Trust him completely with everything in your life. Trust God. Here's the second thing we do. Follow God's word to direct your heart. Follow his word. You might say, oh, there we go back. Jeff brought us back to following the word last week. All through the book of Acts, we've seen follow the word. Listen, it always goes back to the gospel. Always. Every single thing in our life goes back to the gospel, and it goes back to the word of God. And I have to follow God's word. I love the way the writer of Hebrews puts this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Let me tell you what the danger is for many Christians today. They go to the Word of God, reading it, and they try to interpret God's Word through their feelings. Oh, I don't feel that's right. I don't feel that's right. Let me tell you something. You don't interpret the Word of God with your heart. The Word of God interprets your heart. And it brings everything into question. I was talking with somebody last week, and they were talking with someone and they were, they were dealing with the issue of sexuality, and a question came up about homosexuality. And a young man shared with this woman, he said, well, look, the Bible says all this and this and this. And she was brought up in the church. He said, I know the Bible says all that, but it doesn't feel right to me. I cannot wrap my head around a God who would deny that because love is love, which we will look at in two weeks. And as we look at those issues, we can let the Word of God interpret our hearts or we can try to interpret the word of God based upon our hearts which are fallen and not trustworthy. Every feeling I have, you have heard me say this a thousand times, and I will say it to my grave. Every action, every thought, every feeling needs to be filtered in the word of God. And if the word of God does, and if it does not match with the word of God, it cannot be trusted. Everything. We go back to that. Thirdly, and this one's huge, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit all through the book of Acts. He is indispensable in the life of a believer. When you give your life to faith in Christ, not only does Jesus your Lord, but the Holy Spirit takes up residency within you. He is the one who makes you like Jesus. He is the one that convicts you. He is the one that comforts you. He's the one that encourages you. He's the one that's trying to make you grow into maturity of Christ. You are to keep in step with him because he knows the best things for your life. The Apostle Paul says there's always a danger, even as believers, because we still live with a fallen nature. And because we still have this fallen nature, our flesh wants to rise up. And every single day for the child of God, there's civil war in your life. Every day. Who are you going to listen to? Whose will is going to die? So in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, 
Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Then he concludes it in verses 24 and 25. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That means this. Every single day when I have a desire, I line it up with the Word of God. And I listen to the Spirit of God in me. And I keep in step with Him. But God, I feel like this. No, no, no. That feeling can't be trusted. Here's the truth. Walk in this. When Chris and I and our kids were living in Florida, I was pastoring a small church And one day, Ron and I went for a walk in the woods, and he was following really close behind me. And we got to this patch of thorn bushes and briars. And I said, Ryan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step every single place your daddy steps. And you follow my footsteps. And if you follow my footsteps, Ryan, you're not going to get caught up in the briars. And I'm walking very carefully and slowly so he can catch up to me. And then I look back, and there he is. Step. Step. And that's exactly what God is saying to us about the Spirit in us. We keep in step with Him. Do not follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Follow Him. He has given you a new heart if you're in Christ. But even in the midst of that, it is a Spirit of God who is battling the flesh and the desires still of the residual effects of a sinful nature. You follow Him. You follow Jesus. Parents, help your kids to know that they can't trust their hearts. College students, don't let anybody tell you to follow your heart. Grandparents, in the lives of your grandchildren, teach them to follow Jesus. And while the Bible never says, follow your heart, it always says, follow me. Follow me. I want to pray for you. And if you're here this morning without Christ, listen to me. I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Him. Surrender your heart to Him. Give Him all of your passions, your desires, everything about you, and say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I give you all of me. And if you're a believer here today, will you make a commitment that your following will be so close behind the Lord Jesus that you can feel the dust of His sandals on your life? as you follow him. I'm going to ask you to stand together. Would you stand? Those of you at home, you can remain seated, but you can stand if you'd like. I'm going to lead us in a prayer that we're going to close out with a song. we got four minutes left. Yes, we made it. 
four minutes left and we want to close out with this song and this is going to be the song of your declaration as a child of God that you're running hard after him Father we thank you for the truth of your word thank you for protecting us thank you for telling us about ourselves Father and we know these things to be true because we've experienced those and yet Father you've given us hope in the midst of all of that that the hope is Jesus Christ our Lord our Savior the one who died the one who was buried the one who rose on the third day so that we can have life and have it abundantly and Father, for those without Christ right now, I ask in the name of Jesus that, Father, your spirit would work within their hearts and that, Father, they would yield their lives to Jesus today and say, I'm going to follow him. And Father, for those of us who know Christ, would we die to our passions daily and keep in step with your spirit and trust in you and your word to accomplish your good purpose in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If this message blessed you and you now have a desire to follow Jesus, I encourage you to go to scottshill.org slash next steps so that we can follow up with you. Also, if you like the message, feel free to share it on social media with your friends and family. God bless.